We're, uh, we're beginning a new series today. Uh, we're going to be studying in this month the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and the interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is, uh, is Jesus' answer to the disciples when they said, teach us to pray. It's probably one of the most prayed prayers when the most, you think about it, this assembly of words that we call the Lord's Prayer has probably been said more than anything else that's ever been said. From the beginning of the church through the dark ages when they didn't have the Bible, but they, had, they knew the Lord's Prayer. And through the millions of people, billions of people, billions of people that today that will gather today and recite the Lord's Prayer, or people that will just daily recite the Lord's Prayer. Probably uh, one of the most said prayers ever. And Jesus is giving us a pattern for prayer. He's, you know, they, he, so they say, teach us to pray. And so the Lord's Prayer is more than just a prayer. It is a prayer because, you know, God can do more than one thing at once, uh, <laughs> right? It is a prayer, but it is also, it is a pattern for prayer. So each of the phrases in the Lord's Prayer, behind each of those phrases is truth uh, and, and other areas of, about prayer. In other words, it, it unveil, unveils the whole story, the whole of Scripture, the whole purpose of God is unveiled in the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to be talking about that. Matthew 6, verse 9. You're going to be there in three more days. If you're read, I hope you're reading through the New Testament. It's really, it's, you know, it's just a good, it's a good thing to do. And not do it as a, oh, I've got to read the New Testament. Think of it this way. I want to discover more of Jesus. I'm, 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 I'm looking in the Bible not because I have to read my chapter today, uh, but because I want to see who Jesus is. I, I want to have a greater revelation of, of who Jesus is. And, and if, you, if, you've, if you've read the Bible a thousand times, and you haven't, but if you had, you can read it again, and the Lord will show you new things. And he'll show you things that you, you, and not only this, he will prepare you for things that you don't know are coming. How many, you know, how many, you know, stuff's coming, (laughs) right? So how do you get ready for it? Well, one of the ways we get ready for it is, is, is through our prayer. So the Lord will do that through reading the word of God and through prayer. So I know you know this, but let's say it, pray that in this way. Our Father, you can say it with me, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So prayer is vital to us. Prayer Prayer is, is uh, Christian breathing. Uh, and and prayer, is not, prayer is something that we should do in a sense. We should pray without ceasing. It's not just an activity. 
uh, I hope that you're, you have learned and you're learning in your walk with Christ that, that you kind of pray all the time. You're just in a conversation with God all the time. You're trying to listen to God through his word. You're trying to listen, uh, be obedient to the spirit of God as the spirit of God speaks to you. And, and you, and you want to pray because prayer is one of our main ways of, of talking to God. God's, God's going to use prayer and his word. He's going to use those things to bring you uh, growth and maturity and insight in prayer, he will, he will show you things that you need to see that you're not seeing uh, by, the, by the power of the Spirit of God. So prayer is so important. Uh, but it's not a re- we, we have to think of, we want to get beyond, we've got to get beyond the religious activity of it. The doing it because I need to be doing it. Doing it as, as a discipline. Sometimes we have to do things by discipline. But what we, wanna, we, want, we want to do it because of the joy that's in it. We want, we want to pray because of the joy and, and what it's going to accomplish for the kingdom. We want to see, have a kingdom mentality, not just, a, oh, I've got to do this because it's time to pray. I've got to pray. And you can imagine how effective that is, right? When you're praying because you feel like you have to. So that we want to realize that what God has called us into, he, he's called us out of religion, doing things to please God, and he's called us into a relationship pleasing God through what Christ has done. So we please God already. We're not doing things to please God. We please God because of what Christ has done for us. It's all about what Christ has done. So because of what Christ has done, we don't have to earn God's favor. We already have it. We don't have to earn God's love. So we don't pray or read the Bible to get God to love us more. We don't pray or read the Bible to get Christian brownie points. We pray and read the Bible because it is, it is, it is communication in a relationship. All relationships involve communication. If you're not talking to your spouse, your relationship is coming apart. Right? Thank you, Mike, for agreeing with me. Appreciate that. So, so we're, today we're talking about our Father who is in heaven. What does that mean? Jesus always referred to God as his Father because he was his Father. The only time that Jesus didn't refer to God as his Father was on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that's, we'll get to that at the end, but I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead. So why is it important for us when Jesus says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven? What is, why is this Father aspect so important to Jesus, and why is it so important to us? And, and, and because it's important, it opens the avenue of prayer. In other words, we have an avenue of prayer because we're praying as his children. And what difference does that make? So... So why is it important to understand our Father, and what does that mean to our prayer life? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So we're children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Baptism doesn't save you, but baptism is a demarcation point. 
it is, a, it, is, it is an identification point that I am publicly proclaiming that Christ is my Lord. That's, what, that's one of the many aspects of baptism. Everyone should be baptized. If you have not been, been baptized since you became a convert, if you were baptized as a child because it seemed like a good thing to do, that's not a bad thing that you were baptized, but baptism should follow your conversion, your faith in Christ. So if you've been if you have given your life to Christ at a later date, it, you know, in other words, you, maybe you got baptized when you were 10 or 11 or 12 because other kids at camp got baptized. But then later, you gave your life to Christ. You should be baptized to coincide with your conversion. That's a whole other sermon. Okay. Uh, <laughs> For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. They are subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So then when... We were underage. We were in slavery under the elementary spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So Christ came so that you would receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And what were we a slave to? We were a slave to sin and the law. We were a slave to the law and we weren't, and we weren't keeping it. So the reason that Christ came, uh, you know, we, we just celebrated, you know, this glorious Christmas season. The reason that Christ came, Christ came that we might receive adoption to sonship. Born of, we would be adopted. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So we can pray our father, and this was radical, when Jesus when Jesus, and he, bef- even before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus had already begin to, began to pray in front of the disciples. And he would, he would just say, Father, and wh- when, they said, when Jesus said that, the people standing around him went, <gasps> That's, you, can't, you can't talk to God like that. You can't even say his name. We're going to, spell it out in a way that's, that, is a, that is clandestine so that we don't say it. We can't say the name of God and because he's holy and you have to treat him as holy. And then Jesus just says, well, he's our, he's our father and we really, he's like our daddy. They're like, what? You can't, you can't talk to God like that? So Jesus, Jesus came to change how we talk to God. How, to change our relationship with God. It's so that our relationship is that we are adopted 
by sons. The gift of adoption. You are all children of God through faith in Christ. All people are not God's children. You know, there's a lot of songs that talk about everybody being God's children. Everybody's not God's children. Who's God's children? God's children are those who are children by faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. Now, in one sense, in one sense, we're all God's children because we're all here. He's the creator, originator. Uh, Paul says this in Acts 17 on Mars Hill. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. It's like, Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So, you know, it's usually not beneficial when you're preaching to people to call them ignorant, but I have done it occasionally. Uh, <laughs> so what he's saying is we, you've rejected God. We have rejected God, and we've made a God after our own image, gold, silver. We've made a God that we like. He said, we're, we're, all, we're all of, we are that God's children until we become God's children by faith. We are of our Father. Jesus said of the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. Another, you know, kind of hard preaching point. <laughs> right? So we, are we God's children? Everybody's not God's children, although the sense that we are God's children, the fact that we wouldn't be here without God. But the only way to become actually a child of God, to have the right to pray, the only way to have the authority to pray as a child of God is to be adopted into the family through the work of Jesus Christ. By faith in Christ, we become the children of God. So if you really want a father relationship with God, it can only come through faith in Christ. So what's the meaning of the adoption? So there's a couple of things I want to talk about. What does adoption mean? With an adoption, you get an inheritance. When you get adopted into a family, you become legally, you become a part of that family, and you now are an heir to everything that family has. So just think, what if Jeff Bezos adopted you into his family? And I know some of you have been trying, but just by purchasing stuff, trying to get his attention. Uh, <laughs> it hadn't worked yet, has it? Uh, even, though, even though you had nothing to do, you didn't have the idea. Just think if this was the idea. The original idea, I'm going to sell books online. That was the original idea. And you didn't have that idea, but that's how he started. He just started selling books online, and then he just started selling everything online. So now he's, you know, he's a gazillionaire and he's got all kinds of money. If Jeff Bezos adopted you, even though you had nothing to do with his wealth, you become an heir to his wealth. Does that make sense? You're no longer a slave, verse 7 says, but God's child. And since 
you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So God is our father. We've been adopted into the family. So one of the things, it means that you have an inheritance. What is, so what is your inheritance? I mean, how, okay, Jeff Bezos is really wealthy. How wealthy is God? And you, you're, you have that, a part of that, inherit, you have inherited the wealth of God. What's the wealth of God? Well, the wealth of God is not gold and silver and Amazon packages. The wealth of God is his glory. The greatest, the greatest treasure and the greatest glory, the greatest thing is the actual glory of God. There's, there's nothing greater. We get to, so we get to participate, partake in the glory of God. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. This is like a, almost a companion verses to what we've already read in Galatians. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You need to read that every day until you get that. Because it's, that's hard to get. You are co-heirs with heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, if we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in some. Is it some? No, you weren't reading along, so you don't have any idea. Okay. It's in us. It's in all of us. His glory is going to be revealed in us. For the creation awaits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So what he's saying here is that when we get our glory, we're going to drag creation that is decaying. We're going to drag creation along with us to the full glory of God. So just, th- just think about this for a minute. We're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus Christ gets, we get. <laughs> Everything Jesus Christ gets in eternity, we are co-heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So just think about I mean, streets of gold and mansions, phooey, it's nothing. That's really not describing eternity. That's describing, actually, the new Jerusalem that comes out of heaven. That's not heaven. And, you know, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, Heaven is we're partakers in the glory of God. The, the wealth 
The greatest wealth of eternity, not, not even time, there's a way of describing it. The greatest wealth of the eternal presence of God. The only thing before time was God. The only thing after time is God. We, we, so we are partakers of his glory. Can you imagine? Just think about Think about the glory. What is the glory of God? It is, it is it's love because God is love. So can you imagine experiencing in eternity and receiving a part of the love of God? You ever have, you ever have, you ever have like loving feelings? You know, you have these, oh, they kind of sweep over you, you know. I mean, I see my grandkids and I think, oh, man. Right now, what they're doing right now, later I may not, but right now, what they're doing right now, I really love them. And you feel it. It's a feeling. But love is actually, what is just feeling is just like this much of love. You know, it's just a drop in the bucket. But can you imagine experiencing the fullness of God's love, his, the glory of his love, the glory of his peace? You've never experienced that kind of peace. I mean, I, I always like to think, I think of heaven is like, is the, heaven is the unfettered presence of God, the unmeasured presence of God, where we are partakers in his divine nature. So, so I mean, God did all of this. He, he spoke all of this into existence. This is his plan. His plan is God spoke the world into existence. Jesus came. He was slain before the foundation of the world. God did this, not because he needed us, but he said, this is so great, I want to share it. I, I want I want to so he called us into his family so so that now he would have he would have billions of sons who would share in his it's not like oh well now we're there's not gonna be any glory left because we took it all. The unfettered, uninhibited glory of God, his love, his joy, his peace. All of the character and nature of God revealed in us. Where Paul says, I don't know, uh, he says, you know, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what we will be, Paul says, but, but I know we're going to be like him. I, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be, can you think, imagine how glorious it is. What an inheritance. We're an heir of God, joint heir with Jesus Christ. Adoption means you have an inheritance. And you have an inheritance reserved in heaven for you. You have an inheritance that is immeasurable. Adoption means you have access. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Which, there's no, it's like saying daddy. It's a very, it's a very personal term. Uh, my kids, uh, my kids call me Papa or a uh, big Papa or pops. It, you know, it's just, a. and my children, I, I, I endeavor to do this. My children, nobody has the access to me that my children do. I mean, Uh, you may call me 
and I may not answer that call. I mean, I probably will, because everybody says I always answer the phone. I try to answer the phone. But I may not answer the call. But if my kids call, and I miss that call, I'm calling them back. Hey, what do you need? Especially if it's at a weird time. If my kids can call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm answering the phone. Especially at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm answering the phone. My, my children have access to me. And, and I'm going to do, and this is what we do as parents, this, I'm going to do everything I possibly can. I'm going, to do, I'm going to try to help them if they need help. If they need help in fixing a car, if they need help in building something, if they need help babysitting, then, I, then grandma's going to be there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to volunteer her. I volunteer her all the time. Well, Tina will do that. Yeah. She'd love to have the kids over. So we have, so, so in Christ, we've been granted access. We, we can boldly come into his presence. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace by which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. God is now, because we've been adopted as children, God is legally and relationally fully committed to you. God is legally and relationally fully committed to you. We have access. And Hebrews even talks about that. So now we have this ability, you know, to run into the presence of the king. I mean, who would would go, who would run into the the king's bedroom at three in the morning and say, I want a glass of water? Everybody else would be stopped, maybe even killed. But because they are a child of the king, the king says, get them some water. <laughs> because we're children of the king, we have access. Where, and so we can boldly come. It, it's, a, it's a boldness that's not because, oh, well, look how we've earned it. We've, it's, you've been so good this week. You've earned access. Oh, you've been such a good Christian. You tithed and you gave money. I'm going to answer your prayer. It's not earned access. It's access that has been purchased for us so that we could be sons of God. Now we are the sons of God. It's access that has been granted us through Christ so we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. What if you sinned this week? Come boldly into the throne of grace. What if you messed up this week? I'll bet you probably did. And the accuser of the brethren, Satan, is going to remind you of everything you did wrong and why you can't pray. But we can pray not because of us. We can pray because of him. We have access to the Father through faith. It's been purchased for us through Jesus Christ. By grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift gift of God. So God is legally and relationally fully committed to you. Adoption means you get a new identity. You know, when you get adopted into a family, what happens? You get a name. You get a new name. 
You get a new identity. So when we get adopted into his family, we have a new identity. Galatians 4, 7 says, you're no longer a slave, but God's child. Who are you? I'm God's child. Who do you belong to? Who's your parents? God. What, what about all that stuff in the past? It's gone because now I've got, an, I've got a new family. I've got a new identity. My identity is now in Christ. You're God's child. You no longer need to get your value your, from your performance. You need to get your achievements. You don't get your value from your pleasures, from your possessions, or from privilege. You don't, you don't need, you're not longing for the approval of others. Why do you need the approval of others? You've got his. The most important person in the universe has given you his approval. Why do we need someone to like something we put on Facebook? Why do we need to live in a certain area or drive a certain kind of car so that we can get approval of others? We're always longing for approval. Jesus came to set us free because we've got a new identity. We're no longer bound to those things of trying to find value in stuff or value in people or value in approval. Where's our value? It's in him. It's enough. It should be. <laughs> this is what Paul says about it. Though I myself have reasons for, its con- for such confidence. He's talking about confidence in your flesh, in the achievements of your flesh. He said, I, I have reasons to put confidence in the achievements of my flesh because if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, which is prescribed by law. So he said, did that right. I, you know, I didn't get to choose that, but that was done right. Of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, regarding to the law of Pharisee. Pharisees were sticklers about keeping the law. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. He said, man, I was doing the law stuff. I had it down. But Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider them garbage. He said, I consider all, all the things I was trying to get the approval of men. I was all the things that I was doing to be to to to, to stand out, to 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 make progress. To, make, have, to achieve before men, to be noticed before men, to have the approval of men. He said, all of those things, it's dung, it's garbage, it's worthless. Throw it out in the trash. For what? That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So we have, we have a new name, we have access. So why do we need to be adopted? 
Verse 4, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption, adoption to sonship. So Jesus came, born of a woman. And we just, you know, celebrated Christmas. And this is what this is about. Jesus is born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus came in the flesh. And it was important for Jesus to come in the flesh because he came in the flesh vulnerable, killable, but he came in the flesh to live the law, to keep the law that we can never keep. So Jesus is the lamb that's slain before the foundation of the world. The lamb has to be spotless. So Jesus has to keep the law. So Jesus walks in flesh for 33 years and he's sinless. That makes him the perfect sacrifice. He's the pure sacrifice. So Unlike you and me, he kept the law. He lives the life that we can't live. And then he's killable because he's in the flesh. He died our death. He died, he tasted death for every man. So in those hours on the cross, the, the agony of the cross, the agony of the cross is not the cross. That's, that's, an, that's an aside. There were other people that died on the cross, on crosses. The agony of the cross is not the cross. The agony of the cross is that Jesus on the cross died your death. He took, he tasted death for every man. And he bore every sin that has ever been sinned or ever will be sinned. From Adam to the end. He bore every sin on the cross in that moment. And in that moment, as he bore those sins, God turned his back on him. He was forsaken. And he said, my God. He didn't say my father. He said, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? And You know why he forsook Jesus on the cross? So that you would never be forsaken. He forsook Jesus on the cross. He didn't answer Jesus' prayer on the cross so that your prayer would be answered. He rejected Christ on the cross so that you would be received. He died our death. He redeemed us. To redeem those under the law. Redeem means to pay the price that secures the slave's freedom. To redeem has a specific meaning. So Christ redeemed us. Christ paid the price to free you from the slavery of the law and sin and make you a son. He endured the Father forsaking him so that you and I would never be forsaken. He endured unanswered prayer so that our prayers would be answered. He lost the sonship he deserved so that we could receive the sonship we don't deserve. So that's why we can pray our Father. We can pray our Father because we have been adopted into sonship. By faith in Jesus Christ, you are a son of God. You have identity in Christ, in God. Whose are you? To who do you belong? Whose kid are you? I'm God's. You have an inheritance. 
that is unbelievable. And you have access. So since we have access, we can... It's, it's, an, it's a funny combination how this works. Access is that we humbly and boldly <laughs> come before the Lord. So when we pray... And we come with humility because we realize we didn't do this on our own. Our humility is that, oh, thank you, Jesus, because all of this, all of this inheritance and all of this is because of you. So we come with humility. You know, are your children more likely to get something from you if they come with humility than with you owe me? Hey. You know, these other kids, they've all got new iPhone 11s. Good for them. Maybe you can change families. <laughs> if they'll take you, I'd say go for it. It seems like they've got some, got some good things. I mean, does, does them comparing or challenging you or making you feel like you owe it to them, does it make you want to give it to them? No. So, but what does humility do? Humility turns it around. Humility is, you see, as a parent, you want, you, as a parent, you may not understand this until you have kids and, and that have gone through stuff. But as a parent, you give your attention to the one who needs it the most. And it makes the other ones who don't need the attention angry. <laughs> right, parents? But what do you, I mean, you have the most compassion for the one that's doing the stupid stuff. So you have compassion on them. You, and so you're, you want to help get them out of that. So humility is important. But we also, we also have boldness. We have access. That we can go to the God of the universe and say, God, oh, help me. Help me. I broke it. <laughs> I messed up. Or I, I, I don't know what to do. Or I don't know how to deal with this. Or, man, this is an unsurmountable thing. This is cancer. This is, this is divorce. I don't know what to do about these things. Lord, help me. And we have a God. Who hears and answers because he considers us his children. Amen. Let's stand. Our Father in heaven, oh, that we have become through faith in Jesus Christ the sons of God through what you have done, only what you have done, we are now have gained access and a new name. Oh, Lord, thank you. We have an inheritance reserved for us in glory, and we, we already get to start spending some of our inheritance. 
We get to experience your joy and your peace and your love and your grace and your mercy. We get to begin to experience your attributes poured out upon us. Lord, thank you. Help us to understand how glorious and wonderful and marvelous it is to be the children of God. In Jesus' name.